SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome to an annual tradition here at UnderdogDynasty.com. One of my personal favorite things we do every year. It's our NFL Draft Preview Mega Episode. We have a soundboard now. Production values coming up in the world. Uh, we, we're going to talk extensively about some of our favorite prospects in this year's draft from outside the Power Five. And it's a job that simply cannot be done by a mere two people. If you listen to our podcast before, you'll recognize our crew today, myself, Joe Londrigan, uh, Mr. Eric Henry, along with Emily Van Buskirk and Dan Morrison of the AAC pod crew. How are we feeling this evening, y'all? It is a beautiful evening out here in the sunshine state. I know Dan is a little little north of me, about an hour and a half northwest of me. And of course, we've got Miss Emily Van Buskirk, who has managed to grace us with our with her presence. I should say not grace us with our presence, grace us with her presence. So I don't know that you get to claim Sunshine State when I live in California. Yeah, well, please, pretty, Emily. I'm, I'm not sunny I'm, today. I'm, I'm not listen, Joe. I refuse to debate someone who has a, a silly middle name like Van. Okay. So. Wow. Wow. It is clearly a middle name too. <laughs> I, I, exactly. There are two things I can't stand in this world: people who are intolerant of other cultures and the Dutch. And the <laughs> great. Just uh, all right. Has anyone this, seen this? Is this is fun? Awesome that yeah, was? This is really fun. Oh yeah. Yes, I've seen. Oh that. yeah. Okay. When I was like. I, Dumb kid, I had the box of the Boston Powers. What else were you supposed to have? Shut up, Dan. You still have that. It's in your living room. <laughs> uh, no, it's not because I didn't pack it when I moved. <laughs> Thought, about <it. laughs> Thought about it. It's on Netflix, though, so you know I pay for that. I don't know how we're going to go up from here so, when you, you already started with an Austin Powers quote. Like, how is this going to get better? I mean, we can try by starting with Mr. Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Yeah, according to ESPN... <laughs> Number five overall player in the draft class. Uh, 6'3", 190 pounds. Critical part of Cincinnati's playoff run last season. So so let's start there. Um, Dan, Emily, you watched the American pretty extensively this year. What impresses you about uh, Mr. Sauce and uh, where do you think he gets scooped up in this draft? Yeah, uh, here are two quick stats about him that I think are worth knowing. Uh, he's a four-year starter who allowed zero touchdowns. And in 2021... Mm. In 14 games, he allowed 131 yards total. So, mm. yeah, he's locked down elite. Is that good? Corner. I don't think. I mean, it's, I, it's pretty I've good. I've done it myself at that level. But yeah, Do you it's, think it's that Sauce Gardner, which I think he should legally change his name at this point. Yeah, I, and I really, my biggest hope is when I go to the draft that, and when he gets drafted, and they hand him his jersey, like it just says sauce on it. Like I'm gonna go into the. Let me preface this with: every year at the draft, I go into the um, jersey room, and I've written this story before. I'm gonna write it again this this year. That room, and I just got a diagram of the stage. Mind you, the red carpet is on the Bellagio fountains. Like we just got the diagrams of it. It's insane, but the stage is somewhere else, and they have a tiny little room. Okay the jersey people and they go in there they have the jersey from every team they have the combination for each player you know first round guys get ready to go for each team and then they have 10 seconds to grab the jersey somebody does that somebody grabs the heat transfer somebody pushes the press and gets it out in time right 
So I'm going to talk to them and be like, can you please put sauce instead of anything else for him? Do you think that that will fly? A. No. No, no they're not going to okay. listen to you. I mean, we'll see. The I'm pretty persuasive. High end, I bet you the high-end coach check has no say in what goes on the jerseys anyways. Um, you'd be surprised. And B, do you think Ahmad Garner was the Re- the number one reason Cincinnati was so good, like over any other player and or coach. I mean, he's definitely anybody. A this is up for, it. it's not just Dan. Anybody can answer yeah, that. I mean, he was a huge part of it because he made everything easier. No, for you can't say things. huge part of it. Was he the biggest part of it? No, no. Emily Desmond Ritter oh! played corner. Oh! He played okay, corner. Desmond Ritter is bigger. Is Desmond Ritter a bigger part of Desmond it? Desmond Ritter plays quarterback. Emily, that makes him bigger. Mm-mm. I like how she if asked he, for like a specific answer. I give her one, and it's like no. I know that. Yeah, what because you're if say, you put Holton Aylers at quarterback for Cincinnati, they lose at least one game. Oh my god. This is, this is Holt Nailers year. I don't want to hear I, I, it, but I was gonna say I know how Emily feel about Holt Nailers, but Joe, before we do this interview, on a on a Holt Nailers uh track, we got next. Yeah. Um let's talk about <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm still stuck. I'm still stuck on like what, what sauce would, would he get and like Ooh. I can't even think of anything. Wait, I, I I'm gonna to ask him that. Tangy North Carolina barbecue. Why? Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. There it is. That's There's your answer. question. Done. That's going to be the red carpet question. What, like when people call you sauce, like what sauce are we talking about? Has anyone asked him that? I have no idea. I've never, like, I've never heard answer. him comment on that. So that's going to be my question. Great. Done. Thank you. Fair enough. Next. Malik Willis, uh, number 21 on uh, Kuiper's best available currently. Of course, the uh, Liberty quarterback. Uh, you could definitely make the argument that he's the best quarterback in this class uh, right up there with Pitts, Kenny Pickett. Um, he can mm-hmm. run. He can throw it really far. Um, accuracy, <laughs> arguably the main issue with his game. Uh, personally, I can definitely see Seattle picking him up at that number nine spot. They obviously need a long-term solution at quarterback. Tough for me to say that, that anybody is going to get an immediate return on him, but the athleticism is definitely there for Mr. Willis. I'll jump in here. I, I've, mm. I, don't, I know Emily, I'm pretty sure you've covered a couple of Liberty games, right? Or my, mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I know I've, I covered um, one, two, three, four of Malik Willis' start. I actually covered his first start against FIU 20, 2020, the COVID year. Um, nice. And he, and, you know, I really thought that his performance, quite frankly, was against, you know, was a, a byproduct of inferior competition and mm. really was the best athlete out there. And that's what gives me hope that his game can translate to the be- to the next level. It wasn't a matter of going against FIU's bad defense or UConn's or things of that nature. He really was a su- supreme superior athlete. So that gives me um, a lot of confidence, um, you know, kind of piggyback of what Joe said, definitely seems to have all the tools, but yeah, I mean, I'm curious, Emily, because I know you, you cover a couple of other games. So what are kind of uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I think when, I mean, you is a guy you want to get excited for, right? Because not only is he group of five and, and we always want to root for guys like that, he, he, he absolutely is one of the like most gifted players that I've seen play just all across the board. But you have to wonder, because we've, I feel like we had the same conversation, and correct me if I'm wrong if this is maybe not right, but I feel like we said the same things about Trey Lance. And, that, and not to say that Trey Lance hasn't panned out because we don't know whatever, but I feel like a lot of the things I, I hear people say about Malik Willis are the same things that they said about Trey Lance. So I'm optimistically cautious. He, I think his biggest thing for me is his escapability. He, it was insane how he could just avoid situations. And I think that's the biggest thing you need in the NFL 
because it's so much faster. But then that begs the question, can he do that at another level where it is faster and people are going to hit him harder? Like he looks like he's built for it, but we'll have to see. So it's one of those things like it seems like a good investment. Is he going to pay the return? I don't know. <laughs> that's the that's million dollar question. The billion dollar question now, I guess. Yeah, I mean that that definitely seems to be the question, question that is resonating with with everybody in these draft circles when it comes to Willis is can he kind of get the parts of his game that need immediate improvement under control in time for him to be a valuable like week one guy, um, and that's an interesting comparison with Trey Lance. They are very similarly sized, uh, obviously right. different levels of competition in the, the <laughs> FCS and, and whatnot, but. Yeah, but and people that's, weren't worried about it with Trey, and so that's like, even though he mm-hmm. plays for Liberty, and that's it's still you know it, it's Division One, it's good competition, but it's not SEC. It's not he's not playing the best of the best. So is that a concern? But people are still putting him first because he's so like charming when you see him play. It's so impressive, and it's all these things. But how much stock do you have to put in that when you have to consider who they're playing? Like, you know, like Eric said, you just have to see. This quarterback class is weird. Like I'll, I'll just say <laughs> that. Off so the weird. Off. It's just bad. Like no, it's a bad yeah. quarterback class. <laughs> I, I was gonna say I, I didn't yeah, draft a quarterback. That I, is I just mean, draft that's quarterback mean. It's not no, if bad. I was a team like it's Pittsburgh, I would just ride with no quarterback this year. <laughs> just none quarterback. Super back. Let Justin Rudolph figure it out. See what happens. Do the sub. Yeah, do the Southern Miss Will Hall thing. <laughs> draft Frank Gore Jr. and play play my quarterback. Oh my God, that would be epic. <laughs> He'd be better than Jimmy G, so. <laughs> oh man. I was going to say, I mean, Emily, Jimmy G, multiple Super Bowls and handsome. So. Listen, I don't handsome. think, I'm probably the only person in America that doesn't think he's good looking because Dan, I think, thinks he's good looking. Oh, and, man. Yeah, and I don't think he is. And Two B, Super Bowls in New England. Or I counts. will say that, okay, but. He really did so much for those Super Bowls. Um, he came to San Francisco and we thought he was a savior. I stood next to him in a box at a Sharks game and I looked at him and I said, I could pick this man up and break him over my knee. He was tiny. I was like, there's no way he survives at quarterback in well, the NFL. And look, I was right. So you just said we thought he was our savior. You thought a backup quarterback from Eastern Not- Illinois was your savior? That's on you. Listen, That's on you. They thought Tom Brady's backup was the savior. That's what they thought. Yeah, that's what they thought about Matt Castle and Ryan Mallett and all the other quarterback backed them up for a couple years. Some people still think he is like the guy. So, anyways, I'm I'm still lost in the image of Emily just picking up Jimmy G and breaking yeah over her her knee, which now like, means yeah, like Bane. Yeah. What will break first, your spirit or your body? That should be a, like a a tool or like what do you call it, like a measurable? Can I pick you up or break you over my knee? That should be measurable, just like thickness. I'm sorry, but thickness quotient should be a measurable for quarterbacks in, in the draft and in the NFL. Like your thickness quotient I'm should be, see. it should be important. Think about all the thick quarterbacks and then look at Ben Roethlisberger, the king like Bortles, of thickness. Perfect thick, thick quarterback. Yeah, well, yeah, he was, and it, he should have, you know, that should have worked out better, but it didn't. I but mean, there is a direct correlation between your thickness and how well and how long you're going to yeah. Keep going. I'd like to see more, hear more of this. The thickness. Is Tyler question. Murray thick enough? Let's hear it. Russell Wilson, not very thick. Right. Okay. We're but there's. 
there's exceptions to the, there's a lot there's more thick quarterbacks than you realize right drew Brees was kind of thick he was short but he was thick her cousin's very thick what's what we were talking I, about when who were we talking about thick. he was thick he's thick are we not recording anymore <laughs> uh, no we are no, we're recording. <laughs> oh my god! We're, we're doing I thought, our own thing. Wait, I thought we we're doing paused. our own thing right now. Joe no, don't worry. We're doing our own screen. thing. Oh no! No, <laughs> no, we're we're because, recording. No, we can we can keep going through. Uh, there you are. I couldn't know. see your screen was black. Baker Mayfield, not thick. No, Van Baker Mayfield is pretty thick. No, Van. There's about 45 oh. seconds of you talking about uh, thickness. So yeah, and I know it sounds weird because I'm a girl, but it's not weird. It's just actually <laughs> like no, no, no. no. Well, I'm just telling you, I know it sounds weird because I've had people say that to me and I get it, but I, the thicker the quarterback is, I think the the correlation between thickness and like longevity in the NFL and like how good they are there, I think there is a, a correlation. And I honestly think we should evaluate quarterbacks based on thickness as well, because Jimmy G was not thick and look how that panned out. Yeah, we'll give him a C rating. How many C's? How many C's does Desmond Ritter have? Two? Two C's? <laughs> Thick with three seats. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I was not prepared for to go into my thickness tangent, but so a guy that I like that I think would do well in the thickness would probably be, I guess, Carson Strong, right? Like, I mean, I think you're just equivocating equivocating his name to thickness now. Yeah, maybe he does. That might be true. Wouldn't you draft (laughs) a guy like Carson Strong based on his name? No. Yeah. The thing with Carson Strong is like he had all this momentum going into last season. Mm-hmm. A lot of people had him tabbed as like the number one pick in this draft class. And for whatever reason, he's he's fallen down the list quite a bit. But the fact that, you know, he has had, you know, kind of a bad he didn't have a great year this year. And he's also kind of had a, a bad draft class. So there, there's plenty of or bad draft process i should say there's plenty of articles out uh there that you can go read about some of the the flaws that he's um demonstrated in his interview process and that sort of thing but to emily's point uh he is six foot four 215 pounds uh you know he's played well in bowl games prior you know i i think in the past he's demonstrated Mm. some starter-esque qualities but i don't quite think he's there yet and i'm it's interesting to me how far he's fallen off in like six months uh, I'll or go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go. Just, just can't talk about him being thick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to keep it short and sweet. I mean, I, I, I know Emily's not a fan of this take, but there aren't really Malik Willis is the biggest boom or bust player in this draft. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, there aren't any really good quarterbacks. So why am I going to reach up and take one? If one comes to me at a spot that I feel comfortable, fine. And no disrespect to Carson Strong. I mean, I like his game. But I'm not reaching up to take any of these dudes outside of Malik Willis in the top 15. Because the thing is, if you take a quarterback, especially if you take him in the first round, you're kind of stuck for like three or four years. And I'd rather stink this year and try to draft like Bryce Young or someone good next year. I wouldn't want to like waste three years of my franchise on Mitch Trubisky. You know what, Emily, I'm super curious. I just want to put you on the spot here. Would you rather draft one of these quarterbacks, anyone, pick your, mm-hmm. your choice, or have Baker Mayfield? Or so draft any Baker. quarterback in this year's draft. Yeah. Or have Baker Mayfield. Or Baker Mayfield. Baker, May- Baker Mayfield yeah. for sure. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I don't want Kenny Pickett. It took me six years to have one good season at Pitt. Like, I don't know. Or like, he that, peaked at the right time like, and he's on the up. Yeah, when he got a UMass coach to call his place for him, oh Mark Whipple, God. baby, now at Nebraska. 
First UMass mention, everybody drink. I held off a couple of times, <laughs> so you know when we were talking about Malik Willis because he played UMass. Oh my god! I what's the? I have to deal with. <laughs> what's the? What's the Malik Willis to UMass connection? They played this past season. Played. UMass and Malik <laughs> Willis independence. Gotcha. Oh. Gotcha. <laughs> Nothing good. No, that was great. Great. This is a solid connection. We love it. We love it here. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think there's no UMass players who are draftable, so I'll shut up about them now. Sure. You know who <laughs> I don't want to hear any more about ever in this quarterback draft is Matt Corral. Coral, Coral. I don't even know how you say his last name. I hate him. From Ole Miss. Yeah, the Ole Miss quarterback. I cannot You've stand him. And You've got an Ole Miss thing. I don't like Ole Miss. I mean, it was one of my worst experiences in college football, surprisingly. Um, but his experience with him personally was not great. And the things that I've heard about him, he reminds me uh, from what I've heard about is Josh Rosen when he was at UCLA and like his attitude and how he was. So, ugh, not, not for me. Uh, no, because he, he spoke. I don't think so. I thought he was a Cali kid. Could have sworn he was like out of. California, but I could be wrong. No, I don't. He made a bunch of comments about California weather or something and saying how like people from California are soft. And then Jordan Rogers like echoed it on the SEC network. And then Cal came in and beat them. And it was hilarious. Matt Corral is from Ventura, by the way. Oh, he is. Okay. Well, then yeah. I'm like, why would you say that stuff then? You know, he's there's definitely being on the West Coast myself, there's definitely a whole breed of, of West Coast people who, you know, like anywhere else, want to get out and you know, experience the vibe of a different place. And for whatever reason, Corral seems to have really resonated with Mississippi. Uh, Eric, ask you this as the, the Desmond Ritter stand here. Would you take mm. Desmond Ritter over Matt Corral? Yes. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Over Matt Corral, sure, but I wouldn't take him. I just to <laughs> let's, let's use this as a transition to kind of talk about Desmond Ritter then, obviously, to, in Eric's, uh, to Eric's <laughs> point. Probably the most important part of that Cincinnati team this past year. Um, what what made him so attractive and what makes him attractive to this uh, NFL draft class? You know, my what I said still stands. I'm not saying that any of these quarterbacks are particularly great, but just in terms of Desmond Ritter, um, to Emily's point about peaking late, uh, I think he fits mm. that bill. And he also can move. And I think in today's NFL, here's the thing. If you're going to try to fit square peg round hole, none of these quarterbacks are going to work. Like, that's just my philosophy. If you want to try to play to someone's strengths, and I think especially in this draft class with a lot of guys who aren't, like, top tier to begin with, you need to play mm -hmm. to their strengths. So if you're going to draft Desmond Ritter, uh, sit him for a year. Like, a Green Bay, I think, might be a good fit. You know, sit for a year or two. And then trying to mold to his strengths, great. But, yeah, I mean, I still think he's the most important part of the Cincinnati team. Uh, no disrespect to Sauce, but, yeah. Well, he plays a quarterback. That's why he's the most important part, you know. I, I, I didn't want to say it so plainly, Dan, but, you know, you're right. I really think Cincinnati's defense was the thing yeah. about them that yeah. made them so successful. And I feel like if he's the best player on their defense, how does he not the most important like player on the team? Because, oh, you, you if you don't because have him, you can play without him. I understand. Like, there were times when Desmond Hamilton Ritter covered up mediocre corner play at Notre Dame for the past couple of years. You can cover it up sometimes. Good pass rush covers up bad corners. You know, well, whatever. Like He's going to go all. higher than Desmond Ritter, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. So, yeah. So, I, I just can't get over Desmond Ritter's downfield inconsistency and mm -hmm. sometimes struggling to get through reads in the pocket before he fails. That's all. 
While we're on the topic of, of Cincinnati, before we move on, any other guys from that team that you think have a solid chance at, at you know, being notable call-ups on draft day? Oh, that's yeah, I mean, I like Kobe Bryant a lot, the other corner. And no, I don't, the thing with him, it's hard to tell if his numbers are inflated because he was across from Sauce and everyone had to throw to him because that was the only safe option, which turned out to be a very bad option because he was aggressive on the ball and was really strong at breaking on it and just going about things. And it falls out concerns about speed, but I think there's a good chance he gets drafted in the middle rounds and is decent in the NFL. You know? That's a good one. I like I like Alec Pierce, but I don't like I like him, but I don't like him. I like him as a player. I think every time I saw him um, play, which has been just a handful of times, and then postseason, you know, I think he was at uh, Senior Bowl. We got to see him a little bit, so I, I like how he looks. But I, as a person and on the field, this is the biggest thing with my Cincinnati issue. When we were at the Notre Dame game, and I don't know if this is how they were all the time, but my photographer and I were on the field and we're like every time Cincinnati does something mildly good, they would just like throw it in the other team's face. And so Alec Pierce would make like a mediocre catch or do something, you know, okay. And just like spike the ball and like be in the face of the guy that he beat. And that bothered me and triggered me as like a person, you know, cause you, you hate to see that kind of showmanship. You, be humble, be humble. So I think he's a good player, but I don't like to see that in guys. So, um, that was one of that's one guy at least. Remember how he dropped a touchdown against Alabama? <laughs> I'll never, ever, ever forget that. I won't either. As long. <laughs> and Jerome Ford, I guess we never, no one's mentioned him, right? No, have not. Love me some Jerome Ford. He's incredible. I feel like he's the guy when you watch Cincinnati, and especially with the amount of times he carries the ball, like he stands out. Everyone's like, who is that? you know, kid, who is that ball carrier? Um, because it's impressive. Like not only his power and his strength, like his ability to just slip through cracks and his yards. I don't know what his yards after touch were, but I'm sure they're impressive. You know, I actually was going to agree on the Jerome Ford take. I, I think, you know, he's one of those guys who may not turn to, you know, like an Adrian Peterson, some superstar, but I definitely think he right. plays six, seven years in the league as, you know, a running back, you know, a guy who yeah. fills roles. So agreed. He's a yeah. good pass catcher too, so he can be a good like rotational guy for you if you need someone. Absolutely. Uh, one last Cincinnati guy I wanted to see if anybody had had takes on mm. it uh, at defensive end. Uh, Myji Sanders, uh, number eleven mm. defensive end in this class according to to ESPN, below mm. uh, a lot of big names. If there's one um, position group I'm particularly intrigued by with this class, it's defensive end Hutchinson, Thibodeau, etc. But um, mm-hmm. any thoughts on Sanders out of Cincinnati? Yeah, he's not very good against the run for the NFL <laughs> standard. You know, I'm, I'm, I loved him in college. Like, I was always very high on him. But he's just, at this point in his career, he's a pass rush specialist who's, like, not strong enough to be in and run situations. So that's going to limit him in the NFL. Maybe he gets stronger, but he kind of seems like a guy who might have to kick out to outside linebacker and be a pass rush specialist kind of 3-4 guy to me. I think There's the biggest thing people – People struggle with him is his weight, I think. And that's something, again, you don't know if a guy is going to be able to put the weight on and keep it on. Um, we saw the transition for Christian McCaffrey was insane. If you see him in college, you look at him now, it's like a different person. It's like he birthed another self, and that was who he became. But then you look at other guys, and and they have trouble 
keeping the weight on. So I think that would be my biggest thing with um, IJ Sanders is to see if he can do that and get bigger and stay big. Yeah, I think my thing with that though is Cincinnati has a really good weight program, and he didn't put it on in four years there. So why would yeah. he put it on? Well, because you get to do things outside of college that you don't get to do in college, like dedicate 100% of your, no, (laughs) 100% of your time and energy goes into training, eating, whatever. So that's for Christian, for example, when I talked to him about it, that was what the difference was, is when you're a student athlete, half of your life, or I don't know, however you divvy it up is you still have obligations as a student. So you're not getting to put all of that energy to it. So maybe out when he could dedicate all the time and money into training and putting on the weight, then he'll keep it. We'll see. Dan, how dare you question? I mean, there's, there are two former division one athletes on this call and one, (laughs) one who was way more superior than me. So how dare you question her? I didn't think I had. (laughs) (laughs) He can't even tell anymore. He just does it because that's, that's that's, just happens. happens. Can we move on from Cincinnati, please? Jesus. Yes. Uh, we could also talk about Brian Thank Cook God. if you want to, but I guess we'll just see. No, I him. don't want to. No more. <laughs> let's give some other um, group of five guys a chance. All right. All right. We'll, we'll move on from Cincinnati and uh, let's go to our first FCS guy with Trevor Penning, uh, Northern Iowa offensive tackle, number 25 on ESPN's best available. Could be Northern Iowa's. First ever first round selection, actually. Uh, our own Jared Miller for UDD wrote a profile on him a couple weeks back. Highly recommend you check that out. Um, but a lot of O line experts absolutely gushed over this guy all season. Uh, PFF gave him the highest run blocking grade out of anybody in all of D1 last season, like a 99.999 or something like that. Obviously, big jump from the Missouri Valley Conference to the NFL, but absolutely has my attention. Uh, and it seems like he has a lot of other people's attention too. He's the highest rated uh non-p5 offensive lineman uh in espn's rankings right now you know you mentioned the profile that jared did um definitely you want to give him another shout out on that you know i i um would agree i mean i have another fcs guy i want to talk about but i definitely will uh, open up the floor if anyone else has any thoughts i mean that northern iowa program they've put a couple players out recently so definitely a solid program kind of like the north dakota state pipeline to the nfl so wait before you move on to that ellerson smith can i just give a shout out he was one of my favorite players last year so Shout out Northern Iowa. Okay, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, where are you going? Well, no, I just was saying that they kind of have like a North Dakota State uh, like pipeline, Northern Iowa, as far as mm-hmm. players in the league. So okay. shout out to them. Um, I'm going to jump in here, Joe, and shout out an FCS guy, um, HBCU, Marquise Bell from Florida A&M. Um, if Ooh. anyone doesn't know his story, he actually kind of had to fight his way. A little bit of controversy. Um, FAMU, the people, the HBCU crowd, were really pushing for him to get invited to the Senior Bowl. And his position coach actually called out Jim Nagy on Twitter and said that, you know, hey, can we get a little love for this guy? And Jim Nagy was like, listen, you know, we he's on our radar. It's just certain guys who make the, the, the cut and certain guys don't. Um, I don't remember if he ended up getting the late um, call up. Emily covered the senior bowl, so she would know. I don't, I don't think yeah. he – not that I remember. Yeah, I don't think he did. He did go to the combine and performed fairly well at the combine as a defensive back. So especially for Florida A&M, who really the rise of that program um, over the past few years to be one of the best um, HBCUs in the nation. Definitely um, something to keep an eye on. So Marquise Bell, that's a guy who I will show like, because he was a solid player. Look at you guys. Dan, do you have an FCS player? I actually do. Troy Anderson, the linebacker <laughs> from Montana State. Here we go. Awesome athlete. Uh, like incredibly fast, good sideline to sideline player. Loved watching him in the playoffs this year. Dan, linebacker or safety? 
I mean, he's that weird kind of tweener role guy that they talk about now. Yeah. Um, who was that kid from Clemson a couple years ago that the Cardinals took? Oh, um, I, it's similar. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now, but it's the same kind of guy where you're like, he, he's he got the size to be a linebacker. He's got the speed to be a safety. It confuses some people as to where you want to play him. I yeah. Oh, no, no, go, go ahead, yeah, Joe. Sorry, you did, you're hosting. Let me not, like, jump in because I was going <laughs> to toss him to Emily, but you're hosting. So I, I was going to ask her about a player who I know she saw at the Senior Bowl, and I have not had a chance to ask her um, her thoughts on this uh, player. So we're going to jump right into it, uh, Joe, with the tops. Bailey Zappi. Oh, I I was, you know, that's so funny is a funny story about Bailey Zappi. Um, I loved the story that um, Hunter did. Incredible. He was the one that wrote about it for a site, right? Uh, that was Joseph. Oh, wait, really? I Yeah, I wrote about Zappi. You wrote about it. And then okay, the reason I saw it is that Hunter tweeted out and then I saw it and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to read this. Whatever. Incredible story you did. Incredible. And because of that, I went into the senior bowl telling everybody like, watch out for this guy. And I was going around, you guys will die laughing, but I was going around. I told Kim and Kim, my photographer, not a huge, like, um, stays on top of who is good and bad. I tell her who to shoot. That's what she does. So I told her, Hey Kim, this guy, Bailey's happy, best quarterback that's here. So you got to really shoot him and you got to tell people. She goes around telling people that. And so we're the ones at Senior Bowl being like, we take him. He's the best one here. People were shocked to hear us <laughs> saying that. But then as you you show them what he did and the body of his work and, and the kind of person he was, I think he impressed a lot of people at the Senior Bowl because people went in not really knowing, you know, and everyone was so focused on these other names. And then he looked consistently good through all of his reps. So I was impressed and I think he really helped himself by his show there. So, and he's yeah. so cute. <laughs> he's a little, little cute. He, he does have a little bit of a, a baby faced assassin yeah. type of thing going on. Yeah. Um, not, not the first Western Kentucky athlete I can think of with that kind of moniker, but um, <laughs> yeah, big dude um, hangs in the pocket really well. And, mm -hmm. you know, as we all know, air raid quarterbacks typically don't get as much love as they maybe deserve. I think if you look at the uh, most of the guys, you know, with the exception of um, uh, Colt Brennan going back, which I mean, mm -hmm. run and shoot air raid, same thing, but like all those quarterbacks who have been at the top of like the single season passing yardage and passing touchdowns leaders all come from very similar systems. And very few of them, unfortunately had success at the next level. Could Zappy be the guy that breaks that trend? Maybe, but if, if he is, it's going to be because of his size and the, I, mm -hmm. I think if you just look at the, um, relationships that he's been able to build with guys like Jareth Stearns and, and those teammates throughout his time at Houston Baptist and and whatnot. I definitely think that's going to help him. But, you know, ultimately, I, I think he's he's got a lot going in his favor when you look at the body of work from this past season. Absolutely. And his arm, like he was the guy of all the quarterbacks that was actually letting some go. Like he was trying, he was down, throwing them downfield. He was trying things that I felt like the other quarterbacks there were being really cautious and not wanting to make a mistake or overthrow a guy or whatever, but he was just slinging them. And I think that really spoke to a, his ability, you know, as a, as a passer and as a thrower and, and then also his, his personality, you know, as like somebody who is going to do those things and knew that this was his only shot really to do it. And um, I think he made the most out of any player really of his time there. So he honestly reminded me, and this is going to be crazy, like, don't, and don't take this for what it is, okay? 
he reminded me of um Peyton Manning, like his goofiness and like his like his personality and just kind of how he looks out there joking around with guys and just being really friendly. He reminded me of Peyton Manning. So that because- makes a lot of sense. Yeah. If, sorry, Eric, but if, if you go back and listen to this interview that Bailey Zappi did with Split Zone Duo, mm-hmm. uh, like a few is he funny? Years ago, no, I was just going to say you compare him to Peyton Manning. Uh, from mm-hmm. a very young age, he was obsessed with a guy, so that probably uh, makes sense of as to why he has taken oh. a lot of his like personality aspects and leadership traits from him. Oh, because we are pros and we produce this podcast on the air, Dan, can you give quick thoughts on Bailey Zappi while Emily checks a text that I just sent her? And I want to get her thoughts on that text. Um, yeah. yeah, I thought it was weird how no one paid attention to him breaking all sorts of records this season. It just got no media coverage at all that he was, you know, <laughs> what did he throw for, like 6,000 yards or something insane like that. And uh, the other thing I was going to say earlier was that the air raid, it is a – system that comes with a stigma but i think that stigma is changing partially because the air raids changing like other than mike leach and now western kentucky to an extent most air raids are running the ball more like patrick mahomes was an air raid guy kyler murray wasn't quote air quotes air raid guy because that's what lincoln riley's background was so it is changing a little bit but yeah he's gonna get dinged because he threw the ball every time emily now you've had a chance to check that out do you feel reassured (laughs) in your baby face assassin um I literally cannot even with that. Everybody, just so you know what he showed me, it's Western Kentucky's um, Twitter, and or their, yeah, their, tw- their football Twitter. It's a video of him, and he's walking on the field in cowboy boots and jeans and a white t-shirt, and I'm pretty sure he has a cross on and a cowboy hat. I could probably do without the cowboy hat. I probably, like, a dad hat would have been better, but I get it. And he shoots the camera at transition. Yeah, that's something I would see Peyton Manning doing, so... Listen, Victoria, Texas is rocking a cowboy hat. And Joe, just to kind of put a cap on it here, uh, I always tell people this. Like, Emily, you know, she's big time. She's a superstar. She covers, you know, uh, games. Unlike myself, who, you know, I'm covering the CUSA games. And there are times. You're the one breaking news at FIU. You're a big deal. (laughs) There there are times times where I, I wonder just, like, where the hell I'm at. And I feel that way based on the ads inside the stadium. And to swing it back to you as a Western Kentucky guy, in that tweet that I sent Emily, if you look closely mm-hmm. as he points to the sky, it shoots up. And I've seen this ad in Hodgson Smith Stadium. It says, mm-hmm. we are Kentucky's dairy. And when I see that, I'm just like, what part of farmland America am I in that there's an ad for <laughs> Kentucky's dairy inside the yeah. stadium? Yeah, listen, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the farming communities are kind of the backbone of, of Kentucky. And uh, good dairy, too. Bluebell ice cream. Show love. Um, All right. And, do I get yeah. to do an FCS guy? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You guys, I I had one. It, it wasn't for this, but I'm going to repurpose it now. You're, this is going to come to no surprise of anyone that knows me because it's someone who has been used at fullback. His name is Jason Poe. Have you heard of him from Mercer? So no, he worked out. Well, that's fine. He's, uh, he's inside offensive lineman and he worked out at Georgia Pro Day. So this is how I like, he got on my radar. I had heard of him before, but at the Georgia Pro Day, he was there, six foot one, 300 pound um, guard. And they also apparently work him out at fullback. And honestly, when I read some, this thing about him, that is how fullbacks are born. Because if you can't find a way at your position or whatever, then you find another way. And that's like resilience and that's a fullback. So um, he is somebody that I think, you know, I think a team will pick him up because of his versatility and because his numbers were impressive 
um, and he can move for someone his size. He is extremely, extremely quick and athletic. So you always want, you always need guys like that. There's always a need for them. So he, he's someone I would watch <laughs> big, big pull there, big weird pull, but I did it. Dan, do you have something to add? Not to that. I, I know. Yeah. No, I know okay. nothing about the Mercer football team, to be honest. Uh, well, now you do, you know about. Fair enough. That you know about Jason Poe. That implies I was listening. <laughs> Damn. No, I was. <laughs> that one hurt. That one hurt. That's fine. I'm just joking. No. As soon as I say fullback, Dan like tunes out because he knows well, it's going to just be like a dialogue. That's fine. Emily, have you talked to uh, Charles Huff at Marshall yet since he's taken over that head coaching job? I have spoken with him once. Um, He's really nice. I, I really enjoy his enthusiasm. Uh, it's a big change from, you know, old Doc. But I stopped, like, I'm still big Marshall, love all my people there. But when Tim Cramsey went to Memphis, I have less of a, and he took a lot of the GAs with him. Um, I was doing this big story on their grad assistants because they shotgun energy drinks before every game in a circle like beers. And it's, Pretty much one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So I'm working on a story about that, but I have to wait till next season. Um, so I haven't, like, I know Huff is beloved there, and I know he's doing a great job, but I haven't really dialed in as much. Gotcha. No, I asked because the um, positional journey of Jason Post sounds very similar to what Huff went through when he was in college. Oh, yeah. I believe he, he went from fullback to offensive line, right, Eric? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I actually was going to mention that on a different That's podcast. Funny. But you brought it up since Emily mentioned the um, – the kid from Mercer, and I did see that he's doing like the fullback offensive line thing. And yes, yeah, Coach Huff went from fullback to guard to center. So I actually want to uh, mention that to him next time we have on the podcast. You should because that's like really unique. I didn't even I didn't realize that he went from fullback to something else. Was usually the other way around. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Fun facts for everybody, <laughs> especially Dan, oh. who's not even paying attention. I'm listening. I am attentively listening. Dan, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on this next guy. Uh, Logan Hall, defensive end out of Houston, um, obviously turned a lot of heads during his time there. The whole Houston team. Uh, there's a lot of Houston guys in this draft class, but if you want to start him, start with him uh, when we talk about this Houston class. Yeah, no, I really like Logan Hall overall. He's another guy, though, that they say is a positional like tweener guy because he could be an interior or out exterior defensive lineman kind of too small to be interior at the next level has to adjust more to being defensive and full-time but he's got really good size and really like angry hands is the term they use because he's violent with them <laughs> uh it's good stuff though i mean the concern is that his like body control isn't quite what it needs to be in the run game or if you go downhill at him especially with like a double team he's gonna get blown back but in the passing or uh yeah pass rushing really strong really strong player i hate that term angry hands but I, I i love that term i get it but i i think it's so weird it reminds me of like angry birds like flying around but well, um i think that too many games on your phone i've never how dare you i've never played angry birds on my phone yeah and i mean when you look at just the defensive line talent we we briefly touched on d'angelo malone but i want to go back to him a little bit Two-time CUSA Defensive Player of the Year at Western Kentucky in uh, 2019 and 2021. And he reminds me of um, a guy like Bruce Irvin, 
quite a bit who can line up on that just that edge rusher spot um they have him listed as an outside linebacker i never really saw him drop back into pass coverage that much he just he shuts down that area in between like a tight end on the line and the sideline you know what i mean he can crash down on that middle uh from time to time but he has this like crazy length to him that's going to make him a, a really valuable tool for somebody uh in the edge game at the next level i think Quick question, Feminem. Did you get a chance to see him at the uh, Combine by any chance? Um, I actually did not end up making it out to the Combine, sadly. Why? Okay, let's try this again. Did you get a chance to see him at, at the Senior Bowl by any chance? I did get to see him a little at the Senior Bowl. The, the question I'm asking, because I, I mean, mm-hmm. Joe and I obviously cover CUSA. I've seen Malone play three times in person. Um, I'm just wondering one thing. Mm-hmm. Did he look size-wise? I, I, I think this is a great transition for you in thickness again. And I'm actually being serious here. <laughs> Did he look physically? I guess what I'm getting at is mm-hmm. we saw him play a ton and he won defensive player of the year twice and the whole nine. Mm-hmm. But he is like, and I don't remember when he came in at the combine, but I think he's listed like 6'4, like 225, which leads me to believe he's either going to really get by or like 235, which means he's either going to really get by on athleticism, which I don't think is superior at the NFL level. Or is he going to play linebacker? So I'm just curious how big he looked to you. Because um, you've seen you've seen him in person more recently than I have. Was that what was that really his his numbers? Because that does feel Yeah, Joe, what's this at like two two thirty-five, right? Two thirty, two thirty-five around there? That's and I don't know what he, what he went at the uh combine, but put you this way, he he looks mm-hmm. tall and long. And that's not to say mm-hmm. he can't, like Joe kind of touched on it. It's not to say he yeah. won't be a great pass rusher, but he just he just doesn't look big. He doesn't look thick at all. <laughs> he does. That's like the worst insult. Um, I I guess it was not any memorable thickness, if that's what you want to say. Like I don't. He didn't seem like someone when there's some of these guys when they walk in, you're like, holy, shit, you know, like this this is a guy and he's in here. But with him, it wasn't. It was take it or leave it. I think. But that's not necessarily and. I say thickness with QBs because I think it's different with these guys. Sometimes they're like elusive in that way. Like they look unassuming, but they're not on the field. So um, I don't know if, if I would, I'm not going to put thickness to anybody, but, but the QB. So just to, you know, correct myself. I mean, he's listed here at combine six four two forty. So maybe he's just well, a very long, you know, so kind of still kinda, outside linebacker size, though. That, that's that's what I'm thinking, Dan. That's that's yeah. just yeah. And again, that's like a good uh, three man front outside linebacker size where you're gonna have him as an edge rusher a lot of the time, just standing up. That's that's exactly what I was gonna say. And like the the wingspan is what like impresses me. And like 33 and one eighth uh, is the wingspan. It looks longer when you look at him. He's built like a really solid like three in basketball does that make sense like yeah i i think he's kind of a, a low risk high reward guy for uh for somebody in this draft you, you want to talk oh. about someone someone at the senior bowl that was like a shocking like you know when you you look at somebody you're like oh my god that person's huge when i was at the senior bowl and i saw um, trey mcbride next to people for the first time it was tough it was tough because he is small for a tight end that's it. That yep. was kind of it. I mean, his wingspan's huge. He has huge arms. He's got big everything. But when he was standing with the other tight ends, he's, he's short. You know, he's not a tall mm-hmm. guy. And um, 
it's it's it was it hurt it hurt a little i was people kept being like oh look how small he is yeah i was like just shut your mouth because it's fine and he's amazing so i'll just say this i also wouldn't draft a tight end this year i'd wait for next year there too because michael (sighs) mayor and brock bowers are next year and they're both elite tight ends in a way that oh my god if i have to hear about michael mayor i'm just gonna michael brock baby grok come on Oh my god. You're gonna hear about him a lot. He's gonna be I am aware it's too soon. Maybe Bowers. Joe, really quick, I know you're gonna yeah. transition to more CUSA guys, but I'm gonna say this mm. for Emily because she can't say it. Bleep another outlet that wrote Emily's story like three months after Emily's story. <laughs> okay, continue. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and listen, we, you don't have to go into a, a ton of detail because I do want to encourage folks to go read uh, Emily's profile on Trey McBride from a couple months ago. But um, he is the top tight end in this class per ESPN, 6'4, 246, um, mm. turned a lot of heads. And um, Emily, anything else you want to say about, about this guy who you've spent uh, a lot of time with and a lot of time with his family over the last year? I have. He's an incredible human being. And that's not to say that other guys aren't, but I have never met a guy that just when he walks in, lights up. And, and I'll say this as an example. At the Senior Bowl, they're given a lot of opportunity to go out in the community and do things if they so choose to do them. Um, there was an event one night. It was at a barbecue place. It's for an uh, organization called Special Spectators that brings you know uh, terminally ill children to games and they get to meet athletes and be at a game it's it's kind of a it's a really cool organization and Blake Rockwell who runs it is incredible and so the players at the at their hotel you know there's a bus provided for them and if you, they, they're like oh if you guys want to go get on the bus go over there you'll get to see some of the kids you'll get to shake hands with people take pictures whatever and about i want to say four or five guys showed up and Trey was one of them. So after a long day of practice, after everything they have to do, he, that's the kind of guy he is. Um, he just got on the bus and he came and met and, and did this thing for a good cause. And honestly, that is because of where he came from. His his moms are the most amazing women I've ever been around. I'm so fortunate that I got to meet them. So shout out to Kate and Jen McBride. And I'm excited to see Trey make history. He will be the first NFL player to get drafted with lesbian parents and i think that's incredible especially if he goes you know high round like we think he will so really cool <laughs> yeah seems like a seems like a great guy based on um everything yeah. that i've read and, and heard from him uh directly as well um let's uh let's talk a little bit about uh, one guy from a team that was abysmal but managed to turn some heads uh defensive <laughs> tackle out of yukon uh, Travis Jones, <laughs> you know, Dan, I know you spent a lot of time uh, watching some, watching the, the new England schools, any immediate thoughts on, on Travis Jones? I mean, my take on him is he lost to UMass, but other oh than that, <laughs> no, no, he is a good solid player. I like his strength. I like what he can do as a gap filler on the defensive line. I think he's going to be overshadowed by how strong a defensive line class this is overall, but he's still going to be probably a day two pick when you say. I'm not crazy saying day two pick for him. I or think that, that makes sense personally. What you say? I, I don't. I don't want to overstep and give UConn a first round draft pick here all of a sudden. <laughs> I don't think you have yeah. to worry about that. You know, I, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to. Again, I don't want to like you know take over the pod and lead you somewhere you aren't going. But quite frankly, I, I look at Travis Jones and I think Dion Noville is twice the player that Travis Jones is. Isn't getting the recognition okay. now. The difference is probably um, Noville just wasn't as consistent as Travis Jones was. Travis Jones was consistently consistently like above average at UConn, whereas Dion Noville was either great at North Texas or not. But just in terms of NFL, 
uh, give me the guy who's 6'5", 365. So, yeah. I mean, if you like that kind of thing. Absolutely do. I think it's <laughs> tough for North Texas. Like, ever since Mason Fine, it's just been – they're just not on the radar. Uh, people like That's another way to pronounce it. Well, I'm not going to say it that way. But, yeah, I like <laughs> – I like their program and I like their head coach, but I just think ever since then, it's like now if there's a guy out of there, you just don't. It's similar with Western Kentucky's problem. Like you just, you don't, it doesn't get the love. But UConn, even though they're not great, they're still terrible. UConn, you know. Yeah, yeah I said not great. I said not great. Laughable. Lost to UMass. Who? Oh don't need to brag. Lost to Rhode Island and Maine. Emily, how dare you question the coach from Friday Night Lights, okay? He's going to lead North Texas back <laughs> to greatness. You know who is more Friday Night Lights head coach than him is uh, ECU, Mike Houston. Sounds exactly like the guy who plays the coach on Friday Night Lights TV show. It's uncanny. Mike Houston sounds like him, but Seth Luttrell literally looks okay. like him. <laughs> Seth Luttrell's a quarterback. Yes! <laughs> I do like Seth Luttrell. I like Seth Luttrell. I've interviewed him. I enjoy him. I, I do like him. I just, you know, there's no Mason Fine anymore, so I just I haven't been back. Sorry. Sorry, Seth. Sorry, Coach Latrell. I'll be out there the soon. AAC in a year or two, so. <laughs> you know, I learn. <laughs> I'm going to have to learn. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> oh, are we, talk, are we going to talk about FAU, uh, Charlotte, UTSA, UAB, North Texas? Am I missing anybody? Rice in terms of who's going to America. Yeah. yeah. Rice is terrible. I don't know. Rice. That's just uh, the market. Listen, that's Emily. Oh, sorry, sorry. Emily has a, 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 a affinity for Bloom and company now. I do love Mike Bloomgren is, is my homie. I was there for Rice's first ever win under him at Middle Tennessee, and it was the worst game ever. But it was uh, <laughs> glorious. I, again, I have to go back and say, I went to UMass UConn in the year 2000. This was bad, Dan. They were you like, oh, and UMass UConn game. Do you know what they were calling it? Because I don't think I can say it here without getting the expletive rating. Then us. don't. It's we, have editing. we have editing we for have a editing. reason. We can say it. Okay. It's the bull. What? Because Who even yeah. comes up with that? You fans, you're, you're, you're hilarious, Emily. <laughs> it's awful. You're yeah. telling me there was no pun intended on you. you. <laughs> All right. I swear to God, right. we have you, to get through the rest of this without yeah, talking about UMass. Like, it's not relevant and nobody cares. <laughs> Don Brown. I can talk about Don Brown for a while if we want. <laughs> Dan's just not even hearing us at this point. Oh, he all he hears is blah 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 UMass blah blah. blah. <laughs> all right. And Eric brought up Dion Noville. I do want to make sure yeah. that he he gets some of the love that uh, that he deserves. When you look back at North Texas body work this year and winning six straight games to get back into a bowl game, even though kind of having their backs against the wall uh, in that regard, Dion Noville was a, a big reason why. Three hundred and thirty mm-hmm. pounds. Had 38 tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. In, in back, this is back in 2020, by the way. Um, and he he lost like 30 pounds prior to 2021. Mm. Still put up 49 tackles, uh, nine tackles for loss, and a career high four sacks. Like stepped up his game in every way in 2021. Now that he's kind of off to the NFL, I think he's you know proven that he can you know at least physically do a lot of the things that like interior defensive linemen are expected to do in the NFL. The game that he really impressed me, I was, I was out in Emily Van Buskirk territory when they played mm. Cal. Um, I had a chance to cover that game and he performed well against power five competition. So definitely wouldn't well, co-sign there. What? 
Cal, I, I love Cal and they're definitely doing better under Wilcox, but um, I would say that when it comes to physicality, definitely not a strength um, in Berkeley. So I don't know if I would use that as a big measuring stick <laughs> for him, but I do agree with you in everything that I've read about him is he is very dominating, right? But I think the, the biggest concern um, is how he gets disrupted. So I think being able to like lock in and, and stand tall against that first hit is going to be like his, whether he can withstand that. And that's only going to get harder at the next level. So that's why I just, I don't, I hate having to judge these kids based off this because they're not going to be kids. You know, if, if you give them time and another year, year, you know, year of training with guys at that level full time, they can be, you have to see them for their potential. And it, it's just so hard. I hate doing this. So I'm like, yeah, this kid was great in school, but he's going to be a whole nother thing if he gets there, you know, or he won't. But that's my, I can't, it's hard. They're all my children and this is hard. <laughs> I just want them all to get drafted and everybody to have fun. Like well, in the words football. of, yeah. <laughs> how you know it's like there? Kansas football. Yeah, what? You don't go out there to win. You go out there to get a little fresh air and sunshine with your friends. <laughs> not what I said. No, that's what I heard. And promote Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be Texas and go home for the year. Go one and eleven with a win over Texas. All right. All right. Um, we have a, what's your next group or people or conference? Eric, any other CUSA guys that you want to dive into here? Yeah, I'm going to run down a few names really quickly. Um, Reed Blankenship, Middle Tennessee, one that's a player who Emily knows pretty well. Reed obviously put up a ton of stats at Middle Tennessee. Um, ran four five, which is a good number for him. I mean, if he had run anything below that, then you really got to, you know, slot him in there as a draft pick. But I think just based on production alone, um, day three, um, you know, what's that five through seven, four through seven. So definitely a Reed Blankenship guy. Uh, so we're going to blaze through a few more pretty quickly. It's sincere McCormick. You can't talk about, mm -hmm. you know, this draft without talking about sincere McCormick, you know, one of the top rushers in the three years. I think the biggest concern for him is the amount of carries he's had, right? You know, you kind of prefer backs be a little bit fresher coming into the league. And he, obviously, I think he had something like 380 something carries uh, the year before last. So that's something to keep an eye on, but definitely I'd say like a Devin Singletary type back. Um, definitely to, to keep it at UTSA, Tariq Woolen, 6'3", uh, corner, no name to keep an eye on. And two more, I would gotta, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the FIU kids, starting with Devontae Price. He uh, made a name for himself at the Senior Bowl, did play, uh, did practice really well, and then didn't end up playing in the game. Then, of course, went to the Combine, ran 4-3-8 and 4-3-5. So uh, I think he had the top or second best 40 time for a running back. Big thing with him, why, personally speaking, and this isn't the FIU in me, uh, the fact that I cover the team, I prefer him over McCormick. Less wear and tear and definitely more dynamic. And last but not least, Punter Tommy Heatherly, uh, CUSA Player of the Year, special teams. So here we go. Yeah, a few other CUSA guys to to think about. Um, Alex Mullet out of Marshall uh, played center, 6'3", 294, um, was a big part of everything that they uh, accomplished there. And Marshall's had a really good track record of producing offensive line uh, prospects over the last couple of years. So would definitely think he's uh, at least a, a top three pick, or not top three, day three pick rather, uh, as well. Um, you got Hunter to bless us in there as a place kicker uh, was uh, really accurate. Uh, did a really nice job there. Um, 
who else? Uh, UAB's got a few guys who I think uh, could sneak in there on the last day. Uh, you got Alex Wright on the edge rusher, who Eric, I think you mentioned, uh, but you also got Noah Wilder on the inside linebacker, uh, Colby Ragland along the offensive line. Uh, listen, I, I wrote a little bit about Colby Ragland in the uh, build-up to their bowl game against uh, BYU, and he's a beast. He's a very good offensive lineman. He gets off the ball and he gets his hands in, in the right places in order to you know create that push along the offensive line. And a big reason why they've had the success running the ball that they've had the last three or four years or so. And just to tack on about uh, Reed Blankenship, just the the personality that that's come through with him the last six years, because he's been a contributing part of that MTSU defense since he got there, really. And, you know, it, it's kind of been his stuff. It, it, the way that he's played has, unfortunately, I think, been overshadowed by the deficiencies of MTSU's offense the last like three years. Like that's been like the main story, unfortunately. But yeah, Reed Blankenship, he can he can play back in coverage. He can come up in the box and sort of play like a linebacker top role, although that's not where I would like start him. But he can play that role if needed. And just a very versatile safety. I like him a lot. Tread lightly when talking about Middle Tennessee's offense on this call. Why? <laughs> no. no. I like Reed. Reed. I like Reed. No, Reed, that's the one thing I was going to add if you didn't, is that his him off. I'm a big off the field person with these guys as well, because you're not just investing in what they do. You're investing who they are and what kind of, you know, person you're bringing into your organization. And as we've seen in recent years, some people have been making bad choices. Now, are they bad guys or are they just in the wrong place? Whatever it is, this is a business and these guys are going to invest in them not only as players, but as liability off the field. So with guys like that, yes, that Reed is a good kid and not to say that he won't ever make mistakes, but I feel like he has a good head on his shoulders. So I like to look for those guys in this draft because I think they're more valuable, you know, than their numbers speak. No, all, all jokes aside, I think Emily makes a really good point in terms of, you know, it's one of my biggest pet peeves about the rating system going from high school to college. It's so hard to predict how someone is going to project from being 17 to like 22 <laughs> at such a unique point in time in their life. And I think it's the same thing you could say when projecting from college to the NFL. They could be, you know, incredibly good kids and mature like Reed Blankenship. They could be football smart and just complete idiots like Cam Newton, or they could be like malcontents, you know? So it's kind of hard to project how that goes. As the yeah. one of us here who works at a recruiting service nowadays. <laughs> yeah. What was I that? got to tell you. Oh, Dan, so yeah, on, on three. Oh, my apologies. Yeah, I'm at on three, right? Well, I don't do any recruiting writing, really. I do NIL writing, not the point. I'd say, yeah, it's, you can tell how much it is just where, like, the second you get a big-time offer, all of a sudden, guys start reading goes from like middle three. So, oh, he's a four-star guy now that you know Texas kicked the you know kicked the tire at him. It, it happens like that, really does. Like I, they claim that they don't do it anymore, they still do. All those recruiting services—they're hard to predict. But part of why everyone's always at the top, who's always at the top, is they adjust how they rate players as they go. Listen, you've never lived life until you've been stood up by a 17-year-old kid who got an offer from Illinois, okay? And you're in freezing cold weather in Chicago. Like, that's <laughs> <laughs> I'm not playing on oh it either. Oh, my God. 
I mean, listen, again, Emily um, was a premier D1 athlete, so she knows all about. Oh, you know, my God. Stuff. I am not an example to prop up. Stop doing that. I'm still hearing premier, right? She was on scholarship. I was a walk-on. One of those. Did, did you get a famous <laughs> increase recruiting trip? Talking to what was that, Dan? Eric? I, I was talking to you. Are you talking to me? Yeah. I'm assuming it was all this football. I chose my school based on who had the most beer at the party they took me to as a recruit. So, Where, yeah, really great. Where'd you go to school, Emily? St. Mary's College okay. in Morocco. That sounds right. That sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> why, it's yeah. why I chose UCF. I mean, one, but after I left Jacksonville. I mean, that, yeah, that makes sense. Mine doesn't make any sense. And then to then be kicked out of a school like St. Mary's, like, A, how, and B, like, why? Just so many questions, but... Um, Jules will catch you off yeah. guard with that sometimes. Dartmouth's mascot's a mm. keg. I think I caught myself off guard, but yeah. Um, I want to bring up a guy from the AAC that we have had on our podcast before. Uh, I mean, there's so many guys that that we could talk about, and it's so hard in, in a short amount of time, but I want to shout out Corey Dublin, um, offensive lineman at Tulane. He is a guy that has not been talked about as much but the thing that i like about Corey is that he is very versatile as a lineman and one thing i think is unique he played in he started and played in all 61 games i think it was his entire career so he did not miss a game due to injury illness whatever he's a very reliable resilient player and for an offensive lineman that's pretty incredible you know to not succumb to any injury um he's a very dedicated with his training and his regimen, he's a really great human being. He's a very loyal guy, like stayed, you know, in his new Orleans hometown. Um, I think he's going to be a guy. If, if a team takes a chance on him, that's going to give them um, just a longevity at that position. If they, And he's very versatile. So I like, I like Corey. If that's a guy, you know, I think that's a guy people should watch out for. Emily, I'll agree with you there. I had a chance to, to see him uh, FIU Tulane three years mm. ago, and then a Tulane game two years ago. So, Agree with you there. Joe, one more CUSA guy who I think we should shout out. Again, this is one of our faves. Uh, Isaac Weaver, ODU. You know, anyone who plays every single snap in a season except for one because you get your helmet knocked off and you got to come off the field uh, is going to be a favorite in my book. Played all five positions on the offensive line. And if you know uh, Isaac Weaver's story, you should definitely check it out. Um, Lost both of his parents. So uh, definitely someone to root for. Isaac Weaver, ODU. Also, we haven't talked about Marcus Jones. I think he's got a career as a special teams player. I don't know if he's mm-hmm. in every down corner for you just because of his size. He's only five foot eight. And mm. having good ball skills and things like that aren't really enough when you're five foot eight. It's hard to go up against a six foot four wide receiver every time who's just as fast as you, if not faster, all of a sudden. But I think as a returner in the NFL, worth keeping on your roster for sure. He has more swagger than anyone I've ever seen. I call him Mr. Steal Your Girl because that's literally that is him so i i hope someone takes a chance but to your point it's like it's hard physically to look at him and be like but he's got so much confidence that i would have put a how'd you put him on the two yard line against the six foot four wide receiver in the nfl with any confidence you can't i mean yeah i understand that and that's why i think special teams comes into play (laughs) but a lot of these guys start on special teams and then find their way sometimes into it but he's a guy that would be willing to put in the work and there's also guys who've had great careers just as a special teams player. Matthew mm-hmm. Slater for the Patriots, Devin Hester for the Bears. Great yeah. special teams players consistently. That's true. 
You just can't be, you you can't be above special teams. That's the biggest thing. Every player I ever talked to, I just had two fullbacks on my podcast and both of them NFL guys said, never be above special teams because if you find your way and you play there, that's like the biggest advice they give to young guys is it's not a demotion. It's not like a, you're a bad player. It's a chance to do what you love at the next level and make a career out of it. So in that vein, uh, I want to mention this next guy, uh, Tyler Algier from BYU, arguably one of the better tailbacks that BYU's ever had uh, over the last two years, uh, 2,731 rushing yards and 36 uh, touchdowns actually broke the single season rushing record uh, for BYU. And they've, they've had some really solid uh, tailbacks in that time frame: Jamal Williams, uh, Luke Staley, et cetera. Um, but I think that he can definitely find his way into like kickoff coverage, uh, kind of teams for for somebody. I think he'll be like a five or six uh, round five or six pick, and uh, reminds me of. I, I just think there are a lot of teams, particularly in like the NFC West, who could uh, definitely do with some more running back depth, and I think he can fit that mode um, pretty well. And plus, he's a workhorse. Like he he came out of high school with like very few offers, came on to BYU, I believe, as a walk on, and then uh, stuck around and obviously accomplished great things at that level. Love that for him. And then I had one other running back that I wanted to make sure we get to um, out of the FCS, Pierre Strong Jr. out of South Dakota State, uh, 5'11", 207, um, little guy. So, you know, obviously those that creates some questions there. But um, when you look at the year that he had, uh, had 240 touches for – 1,673 yards, average seven yards a touch, as my voice cracks a little bit there, but whatever. Uh, 18 touchdowns, um, had an 85-yard run, and then obviously South Dakota State had a pretty solid playoff run uh, before I think Montana State ended up knocking them off at the end. But – or did – I don't know. I might be misremembering that last part, but – Yeah, because – no, I'll be quiet. No, go go ahead. I was just going to say because Montana State got – their teeth kicked in by North Dakota State in the championship. So I'm pretty sure it was the semifinal that they beat SDSU. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think this, this Pierre Strong guy, I think he will find his way in somewhere. He's uh, the number five running back in this class, according to ESPN. And, uh, you know, that's amongst guys like, you know, Devontae Price, Jerome Ford, Kyron Williams, uh, Kenneth Walker's the number one class, the number one guy in this class, by the way. But, um, but yeah, he obviously impressed enough people to be pretty high up on some people's lists. I know the Giants have had him in for a private interview. The Cardinals are bringing him in for a private interview. So, uh, what about a couple of Mountain West guys, Khalil Shakir and Matt Arazia? Come on, give the punter some love. The punt god, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't think we were that not is- going to talk about the punt god? I mean, we're an hour in with no punk god. <laughs> well, I mean, save, you save the best still, for last. Still, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, draft him, draft him in the second round. Come on, people. Yeah, look at you, Belichick. Yeah, and, draft yeah. a punter yeah, we, or a kicker over a quarterback this year. If you can draft Matt Arazia or any quarterback, you should draft Matt Arazia <laughs> this year and this year only. <laughs> Seventy-nine punts, averaged fifty-one. 0.2 yards per punt, total of over 4,000 yards punting, long of 86. To play devil's advocate here, only had one land inside the 20, but then again. I was going to ask you that. That was going to be my question. Only had one inside the 20. So, In all fairness, his directional kicking is not perfect, but it's a cannon for a leg. 
Yeah. yeah, but it's it, your job at, as a punter, especially at the next level, because in college it's different. It's strategic, so he's going to have to work hey, on. Emily, he'll have all the time in the world to work on it now. That yeah. he's a professional instead of just a, uh, a part-time student. Unless he's just like gun, is he, if he's just a foot on the gas kind of guy and he can't control it, then yeah. If you want, I can give you some UMass punter news, but I don't know oh, if anyone else wants that. Nobody George, wants it. Not, I don't punter, want George it. Georgeopoulos transferred to Mississippi State. Come on now, people. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's actually. No, it's weird. not. Emily. No, it's not. Okay. All right. That'll what take. You, what did you think what I was going to say? Good? Yeah. I was like, I was like Emily, don't give him anything. Please. Oh, it's, 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 it's weird. George Georgeopoulos. Come on. I bet you Mike Leach loves that. I bet you it's the only reason he recruited him. It might, it might be. Is this your guys' thing? Like, I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah. I, is this? I, I listen to every podcast. I'm like, is this your yeah. guys' thing? Yeah, Which thing? This, the dynamic. Yeah. Mm, yes. It's so entertaining, right? That's that's why people keep coming back. Listen, you guys have gotten good reviews the last time. I mean, especially you know, you Van Buskirk, but no. So I, they, I, I, you know what? I will say, there's like three of them on on the review for Apple iTunes. No, I, I wrote them under students. Like, my mom's like writing them in the back. Then that was a nasty review. Dan, you got to get your mom to write some. That's what it is. That's where it's at. No, I'm going to leave a nasty one. Come on. Don't do it's it. Okay. Well, <laughs> any any other guys? Uh, Joe, I don't know about you. I mean, I'm pretty much good. At this point, I'm ready for a vodka soda with a splash of grand. I need some dinner. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we can, we can go ahead and wrap it up. A uh, couple offensive line guys out of the G5 real quick. I won't talk about them long. They're they're big. They're strong. I think that will serve them well in a career in professional football. Uh, Spencer Burford, um, Luke, uh, Spencer Burford out of UTSA, Luke Gadecki out of Central Michigan, uh, Matt Willetzko out of North Dakota. I think those three guys. And then, of course, uh, I mentioned Trevor Penning already and then uh, mm-hmm. Bernard Raymond already. That Central Michigan offensive line was was really solid. I know we didn't get a lot of action stuff in, but uh, hustlebelt.com. We know those guys a lot. Uh, we know those guys very well, I should say. And uh, I'm sure they're they're doing something very similar to what we're doing right now. So I like Luke. He was at uh, Senior Bowl, I'm pretty, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he was a really like, good, hu- good human being, good interview. Offensive linemen are always good to talk to because – uh, nobody ever talks to them, a, eh? and they have a lot to say, and they're very involved, and they're smart guys. So um, I, I wish more people would interview offensive linemen. But me too. Welcome to my world. <laughs> All right, love we'll the big to, guys. We'll have to get on that then. Awesome. Yeah, I I had nothing else. Anybody else have any? Anybody you want to sneak in here? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, with that, then we'll say thank you all so much for listening. I'll go ahead and drop uh, some reviews if you have time on iTunes as well as Spotify. It really helps the show grow and uh, help us continue what we've been doing the last uh, five, six years at this point. I uh, want to thank, of course, Eric Henry, Dan Morrison, and Emily Van Buskirk uh, for their takes on uh, the G5 and FCS prospects that uh, we are looking forward to seeing, hopefully selected uh, in this year's draft. And of course, you can follow all of us on Twitter. I'm at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore at Eric C. Henry underscore is Eric uh, at Dan underscore Morrison 96 is Dan. Yep. And then uh, we got at MLM for uh, Miss Van Buskirk. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. Happy football watching, everybody. We will talk to you after the draft. <laughs>